You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I am Grant Goldberg, joined by Spike Friedman, and we have a special guest, uh, Join the show later. Spike, who's our guest today? Uh, our guest is novelist and Mel Magazine columnist Miles Clee. Sort of an unorthodox guest for a extremely focused football podcast like the Locked on Seahawks podcast. But Miles Clee has journeyed into the heart of becoming a Rams fan since they returned to Los Angeles. And we're going to hear about the journey that members of the other side have because... The Rams are an interesting franchise in that, yeah, they existed 20 years ago and there are some lingering fans, but they're not the Raiders. Los Angeles is not loaded up with Rams fans, and yet they are certainly far more than the Chargers capturing the city's heart a little bit on the fringes. And so we thought we'd talk to someone who's got a very funny and interesting story about how he got into the Rams. Right, I think I think everybody has their own unique story about how they get to be a football fan, but this this is truly special. So it's it's yeah. really a treat for everybody, and I think you're going to enjoy it a lot. That'll be coming. That'll be coming later in the episode. We're going to talk some Seahawks first. Right uh, before we start uh, start to talk about the Seahawks, today's episode is brought to you by Draft.com. It's a daily uh, fantasy football draft, and if you use the promo code LONFL. You can get a full return on your first draft. So go ahead and do that. It's super fast. It's super easy. Spike loves it. He, he on, plays I, it all the I time. I forgot to see if I won last week. All right, you're I getting, think I lost. You're getting the drafts. results I think live I on bad. air. I didn't. I, well, well, the thing was, is I was like, oh, man, Pittsburgh's up against Baltimore. I should probably stay away from Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. See, I came in 8th out of 10 in one league, 9 out of 10 in another. I had LaShawn McCoy. He was great. Right. And I had Antonio Brown in one. How did I do so badly? Oh, I had... Oh, God. Well, look, we don't need to... We don't need to, you know... Look, it's fine. You, that's the great thing about Draft.com. When you sign up with our promo code LONFL... You get a chance to make mistakes like I did, not believe in Ben Roethlisberger for a week, then come back, get your money back, play again. Live that life. Live your best life. Unless you're a gambling addict, in which case, don't live your best life. Live the sad life you live without gambling. All right. Well, this got dark, <laughs> and it's going to get even more dark because Aaron Rodgers has returned to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, He's been medically cleared uh, to play, and... Uh, the Packers aren't in bad shape right now. They're seven and six, and they have the tiebreaker over the Seahawks, who are eight and five. And when you look at Green Bay's schedule, they face Carolina, Minnesota, and Detroit. They could go three and zero in that stretch, given that you know, I mean Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback, and the Vikings game yeah. is a nighttime game at Lambeau Field in December. So they could uh, go, you know, but even with Aaron Rodgers, that is a tough run. They could definitely lose any of those three games, in which case they are essentially eliminated. Right. So uh, it, it's dangerous for the Seahawks, and I'd say it's even more imperative that they win out. I mean, if it wasn't already the most important thing, I mean, obviously the Rams game is for the NFC West, and the Cowboys game is important just for making the playoffs. 
And the Cardinals aren't pushovers. They they haven't made it easy when they come up to Seattle in recent years, and their defense is playing great football. So Spike, you know, it's it's so important for the Seahawks to win out, obviously. But I mean, now with the pressure from Rogers' Packers, I mean, the the margin for error is even smaller. It's really not great. Uh, the way the results broke last weekend with the Packers winning in overtime with Brett Hundley against the Browns and the Falcons winning really made it a situation where if the Seahawks had beaten the Jaguars, things would have been great because we'd be sort of coasting towards that two seed. Having lost to the Jaguars and potentially facing the Rams without Bobby Wagner, things are really dire because we don't have the tiebreaker against either the Falcons or the Packers, who are our most likely competition for that six seed. Uh, so it's scary. It's scary and bad. Uh, you know, it. In and I will say... Even with Aaron Rodgers, the odds of the Packers winning out are still low, and the Falcons' schedule is still brutal. That said, the Seahawks at 10-6 and six are going to be in a tough spot. Like, the odds of neither the Falcons nor the Packers getting to 10-6, and six, us being at 10-6, and six, the Panthers being at, like, an 11-5, and five, like, that's very much in play if we lose to the Rams this week. Yeah, I think that, you know, the Seahawks are definitely capable of winning out. Uh, you, you look at the matchups against the Rams and their, and their beat-up defense, uh, they, ha- they have a great shot to win the game. It's at home in Seattle, and you know, Russell Wilson's playing great football. And you look at the Cowboys, you know, they're not nearly as strong as a team as the Rams, but they do have Ezekiel Elliott coming back, which is super annoying. And you think, well, you know, the Seahawks will be able to put enough points on the board, and Bobby Wagner in, you know, not the best case, but a good case, we'll be back healthy for that game, which is which is absolutely huge. And uh, the Cardinals, you know, you'd think the Seahawks can win that game. And, it, I mean, like, it's always been a wild card with them because, you know, with the, with the yeah. way their defense is playing and the way they traditionally play in Seattle over the last few years, you know, it's, it's not going to be an easy game. And I think it could be a low-scoring game, and it has a Washington, Reds, uh, Washington uh, feel to that game, <laughs> which sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I, and also, like, who knows? If the team's at full strength and Arizona's still running out, who are they even running out? Blaine Gabbard, who they want yeah. to, who they are uh, talking to his agent they about in. extending. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, on on the one hand, I'm worried. On the other hand, I'm not that worried. Like, everything comes down to this week. Beat the Rams, Seahawks are in the driver's seat, and can maybe afford to lose one more game because we'll have that tiebreaker over the Rams, and they could, you know, like, 10-6 and six if we've beaten the Rams looks very different than 10-6 and six if we didn't beat the Rams. So, beat the Rams. beat the, Just beat them. Just go that's out this good, week. That's a good plan. And beat them. And it's going to be really hard, because... Right. Uh, but just do it. Just win the, win the Rams game. Uh, and everything else sort of falls into place, right? And or think, it doesn't, yeah. and you know we don't make the playoffs at ten and six. Like we're not all good. Like the NFC is just so deep this year that you know maybe that's where this goes, and that would be sad, and it would be unfortunate. But like, it doesn't mean you have to talk about throwing the baby out with the bathwater when you have a season where, in this hypothetical scenario, you go ten and six despite having lost like what, like five all-pro caliber players for big chunks of the year, pretty much every major player other than Russell Wilson will have missed significant time. 
and, and Michael Bennett, I guess. But and Doug Baldwin. Uh, yeah, but he's been playing through injuries uh, and missed like half of a game, right? Didn't he? Didn't he go out with an injury for like part of a game? Doesn't I, matter. Maybe. Not significant time. But like, yes, like all of all of that is to say, like we have been fairly decimated by injuries the sort of injuries that would send a normal team down a spiral if we end up like 10 and 6 and missing out on a tiebreaker that will be extremely disappointing because of how we lost a number of these games and Blair Walsh will need to be sacrificed on an altar in some sort of underground lair uh like some sort of vampire lair ideally where he's bled out in a ritualistic cleansing scenario but I, I don't feel like a ten and six season with this roster means that you know you gotta change the coach, the head coach. You might need to. I don't even know that you need to change a coordinator. Like they're yeah, playing. I mean, like it's well. it's like all circumstantial with the team. Like you look at all the injuries and you kind of like, wow, they are still in position to win the division. They're still in position to make the playoffs. Like yeah. if if every if things broke right for the Seahawks this season, we we're seeing. You know, them them win a lot of these games, and we're not worrying uh, nearly as much as we are right now. Yep. Um, I think that right now we'll 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 go into break soon, but we're gonna talk to you about draft just one more time. Yeah. And yeah, I gotta do better this week. All right, I'm gonna live drafted right live drafted superstar team right now for us. All right, so Grant, who you feeling? Who who should I go with? Well, you gotta. I, I really I really like Russell Wilson this week, especially up against the Rams defense, who are missing their top two corners potentially, and uh, he's gonna he's going to be throwing up against you know practice squad guys, which definitely bodes well for him. I think that he'd be a strong pick. Yeah, I mean he is the number one projected quarterback this week. Tom Brady's obviously been a little slow playing through that Achilles. The other one, um, and we talked about this a little little bit off air, is Drew Brees uh, up against a New York Jets team led by Bryce Petty on their side of the ball, uh, which could mean turnovers, but that could also mean just leaning on the running game and taking the ball out of Brees' hands. Both sides of the Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton. Uh, Yeah, you're right. I'll go with Russell Wilson. Done. Um, Running backs, interesting. They have Todd Gurley as the second highest projected at Seattle. Even if Bobby Wagner doesn't play, I'm not. I don't know if I can get there. Um, I, you know who I like, and he's on my real life fantasy team. But I think he's going to have another big week this week. Is Kenyon Drake of Miami? Kenyon Drake's been playing really strong over the past few weeks. And he's going to Buffalo, where there's the potential of weather. We saw last week that both Frank Gore and LaShawn McCoy had massive games. And that Buffalo defense has been awful against the run for the last few weeks. So I'm going to go with him. And I don't think I should overthink this. Le'Veon Bell against New England feels like a good choice, given that New England is currently starting fewer of their first-choice linebackers than the Seahawks will. Yeah, I, I I think whenever you have the chance to take Le'Veon Bell, you should do it. So, you know, I support you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, so here's an interesting one. Uh, there's a couple interesting ones on the wide receiver front. Keenan Allen's been white hot, but he's up against a Kansas City team that has Marcus Peters coming back from suspension. And in a game that that is a must-win for both sides, you've got to imagine Marcus Peters is going to be shadowing Keenan Allen. She don't love Keenan Allen this week. Doesn't feel safe. And similarly for DeAndre Hopkins, 
going up against that Jacksonville defense. We've seen DeAndre Hopkins break down great defenses, and we've seen Jacksonville's defense. We saw Russell Wilson get a couple big plays against them, but we also saw what Jalen Ramsey did to Doug Baldwin. I, I think I'm going to stay away from DeAndre Hopkins this week. Uh, Julio Jones against Tampa Bay feels like easy money. I don't know. Well, it's, it's it? like, like Julio Jones is obviously one of the best receivers in the league, and the numbers you know, kind of support that and kind of don't, but, you know, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and it's Julio Jones, so it's it's kind of two plus two equals four and in They that need that game. Like, they cannot pull, although, I mean, Sark's been a crazy person as their offensive coordinator, but they cannot take their foot off the gas this week. They need to win to keep the pressure on us. So you imagine they would try to feed Julio Jones against a pass defense as bad as Tampa's. The other question is, do you go with Antonio Brown against New England, or do you assume that Bill Belichick's got something up his sleeve and do something like go with a Michael Thomas against the Jets, go with a Devontae Adams against Carolina? You don't go with well, Devontae Adams well, against the Carolina. The thing is, Antonio Brown has been a thorn in your side throughout your whole draft tenure. And I think that you live and die by Antonio Brown, it seems. So why not just go for it? Why not well, to pick Antonio Brown? Okay, that's a great pick, but here's the other option I'm going to throw at you, and you can tell me not to do this, but someone needs to talk me off the ledge. Josh Gordon against a Baltimore team down Jimmy Smith. They could not find a cornerback last week who could stay with Antonio. Like They don't have anybody who can stay with Josh Gordon. That said, should I learn the lesson from that game and go against that Baltimore secondary now that it's depleted? Or should I learn the lesson from that game and just take Antonio Brown in a game where he's going to want the ball? And yeah. mm, I'm going to do that, the Antonio I, Brown thing. Yeah, Anto- Antonio Brown, I think he's going to want the ball. He's going he's gonna to try to win. And I think that, I mean, everybody's <laughs> going to try to win. But, uh, you know, the Steelers traditionally win when Antonio Brown has the ball in his hands. So I think yeah, you should go so with that. So I'm going Russell Wilson, Kenyon Drake, Le'Veon Bell, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown. I think that I think that's a good lineup. I, I think uh-huh. that uh, this this will be your week, Spike. Great. I love it. I need this, guys. I'm down $2. Now I'm down $3, but I could win it back. Got All right. Come. There we go. Let's let's win it back. And, and right after this, we'll get to our conversation with Miles. Back on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. And we have with us today a special guest. Most of our guests have been sports writers, sports personalities, people of that ilk. Today, we have a slightly different guest. We have Miles Klee. He's a novelist. He's a writer for Mel. And he is a diehard Rams fan. Miles, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Go Rams. Not a popular sentiment. Uh, Grant, you want to dive into grilling Miles here? Yeah, okay. So, Miles, we, we know that when the LA Rams came to Los Angeles, so did you. And so it's, it's been kind of a blossoming relationship. And I just want to ask, what's the best part about being a Rams fan for you? I would say that there's no downside to being a Rams fan. And that's probably the best thing about it. You can't you can't really lose because when the Rams lose, everyone expects it. You know, I'm I'm a huge Mets fan as well. Not hu- I mean, not huge, like just in the same sense that I don't actually pay attention to it, but I like the Mets. And, you know, you gotta love an underdog. I loved being here the first year and just mindlessly 
rooting for the Rams, even as they just completely botched the entire season. And then, you know, to have this year be this kind of surprise performance has been great. So to back it up one step, what what drew you to the Rams? What attracted you to them? You moved to Los Angeles the same month that they did. But other than that, why, why jump on the Rams wagon when you weren't even really a big football fan going into this? I uh, went to a bar and it was the first they were playing. The Rams were playing the 49ers and I was at the bar in L.A. and everyone in there was in 49ers gear rooting for the 49ers. And I thought, well, this is just, you know, you got to you got to have some local support. Um, I shopped at Vons. Vons was like uh, kept playing these things that were like, we're the official grocery store of the L.A. Rams. <laughs> I saw, <laughs> I thought like Wingstop was like the official wings of the LA Rams. And I was like, we need, you know, we need more local. I, I want, I want to get into this. So I want, I want, uh, I want to be a part of this dynasty from the ground floor. <laughs> Provide some grassroots support for an otherwise corporate fan infrastructure. Absolutely. I mean, they need all the help they can get, right? So. Uh, I want. I wanted to. I didn't want to get on the Rams wagon. I wanted to start the Rams wagon. I wanted to build the Rams wagon. How did? How did? Um, See, so you jumped in in the Jeff Fisher era. What are your thoughts about Jeff Fisher? How are your feelings about Jeff Fisher? I think, uh, you know, I can't do a Trump impression, but I would say that Jeff Fisher was treated very unfairly. <laughs> he, uh, you know, he was really trying his best. Great mustache. Um, you know, he's rocking the divorced dad look. I, I just, you know, I, I think I think we could have given him another chance. You know, that, it, it was a rough first season. But, uh, you know, you gotta got to see how these things work out. Are, do, are you, this is a tough question to ask, because you obviously jumped on the Rams wagon pretty late in the long-term tenure of the Rams. How long would you guess Jeff Fisher had been with the Rams right now? Um, probably like... Like the Rams is like a historical entity. <laughs> You're saying like before they moved to, back to L.A.? I, I honestly I honestly think that's the only year he's ever... <laughs> <laughs> okay perfect perfect the answer for what it's worth just so you know it's it only since 2012 it really felt like longer it really felt like 15 20 years uh but he spent a lot of time with the houston oilers and then tennessee titans uh great i think you got some more questions some more ram specific questions yeah it's it's uh it's clear that you think uh jeff fisher i mean he was given a bad rap but I was wondering, do you have any favorite Los Angeles Rams? And do you think anybody's underappreciated on this team? Uh, I love the quarterback. You know, the quarter man. He's, he's my dude. Uh, I think he's the dude from Frozen. Jonathan Goff or something. <laughs> uh, that dude's great. Uh, really love a lot of the support players. I hear they have some special teams. Um, those sound special. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, no. Oh, Miles. Podcast, yeah. <laughs> Miles, this is... Uh, look, I, this is going to feel to the listeners at home like a gotcha podcast about <laughs> Rams fandom is 
as a rule. I, I, I don't think I necessarily intended it for to go that way. No, no, this is great. I think I think I do represent the true Rams fandom because the essence of Rams fandom is like a guy is the guy who was hired to sit in the seat and actually doesn't know what the f- is watching. <laughs> Oh boy! I mean, because I, I I've seen like a lot of people become Rams fans here in, in Southern California, and like they don't really know about the team. So it's it's nice to it's nice to have someone you know to be a face of the Southern California Rams fan after re- their return after a hiatus in St. Louis. Uh, so but, wait, so so we got a big game this weekend, Rams Seahawks. The winner of this game will likely win the division, go on to the playoffs, get some home games. Uh, for you as a Rams fan, how confident are you feeling heading into this game? Are there any like aspects of the game that for you make you nervous or make you feel more confident? Uh, well, you know, let me tell you, I, I don't think the Rams have a great record against birds of prey. Like, you know, we just lost to the Eagles. I feel like the Seahawks is going to be a similar situation. You're going to dig, you know, the Seattle's probably going to dig their talons in a little bit. You know the Rams. You know you can you try you can try to blast through the blast through with the horns, and you know that's 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 the best thing you can try probably. But uh, you know I'm I gotta say I, I am worried about the tenacity of the Seahawks. Okay, all right, that's a good break. I, I do have a video here of an eagle trying to pick up a goat and drop <laughs> it off the side of a mountain, which I think is <laughs> metaphorical. I'm imagining. Yeah, this is good. It doesn't succeed, though, which probably bodes well for the Rams. I will say, for me, I'm nervous going into this game as our best players are hurt and yours are healthy. And also, you guys are pretty good at football with Sean McVay. I did did hear we were having good injury luck this year, but I probably jinxed it just now. Perfect. Perfect. All right, Miles, where can people read more of your insights on life and also maybe sports? Uh, you can read me at Mel Magazine, M-E-L. Um, it's a website on the internet, and uh, I write there. Great. Well, Miles Klee, original Rams fan, founder of the Ram Wagon, thank you for coming on into enemy territory with the Locked on Seahawks podcast and talking about your favorite football team. Thank you. I'll see you this weekend. All right, thanks. All right, great. Okay, we are back from our conversation with Miles, and uh, he provided some great insight on what it's like to be a new L.A. Rams fan and, uh, and, and kind of know his quarterback and, and kind of know his football team. So it was, it was great. Thanks to Miles for coming on the show. Yeah, uh, he's, uh, if you guys are into experimental novels, I highly recommend his debut novel, Ivy Land, which is available on OR Books. I think you can get it on Amazon. It's really good. It's a, it's a really dense, tough read. Uh, or uh, he has a great Mel article about the Rams, so if you like, look him up there. Uh, I think it's very funny and very real to what it's like to jump onto the NFL bandwagon in 2016, which is not the time when most people are jumping onto the NFL bandwagon. Right. Usually, when when there's new football fans in the NFL, they're usually you know toddlers, uh, people's kids. <laughs> but it was great to to have the other side of the coin and and to get a, a new, a grown adult man joining the NFL fandom. So we'll get right back to you with the rest of the show. After this, we are back, 
And Spike, during this podcast, the Seahawks made a transaction. They they Hey-o. promoted they promoted linebacker Paul Dawson or PJ Dawson to the active roster and sent Odeabushi to the injured reserve. And so it's it's gonna be key for the Seahawks to have linebacker depth going on the rest of the season with Bobby Wagner dealing with a hamstring and KJ Wright dealing with a concussion. Uh, yeah, we, and and that little that like un sort of noticed injury to Josh Forrest where he hurt his foot on a special teams play and had to get IR'd sort of looming large now. Right. Yeah. They they really needed to scrape the bottom of the barrel. Uh, Paul Dawson was drafted a couple years ago. He was cut by the Bengals last year. Played his college football at TCU. He had a pretty good college career there, but uh, yeah, never really amounted to anything in the NFL. So here's to hoping uh, we get a little bit of resurgence in his career for the Seahawks. I mean. Uh, it'd be nice to uh, have a little more depth at linebacker. Uh, he's like the really poor man's Marcus Smith in that he's a reclamation project. He has like some off the field issues too, which I have not dug into and I'm hoping are not Frank Clark esque and that's revealed in the next day or two. Uh, but he was an incredible tackler in college, considered a fringe first round prospect slid to the third round and then just never hooked on in that Marvin Lewis system. But as we've seen with John Ross, Marvin Lewis maybe sometimes puts guys in the doghouse for no reason. So maybe he can be useful. The worst news about this is to me, given how tight the Seahawks are against the salary cap, how little they wanted to IR Abushi, it makes me a little bit, I mean, I'm already writing off the idea that Wagner's going to play this weekend. I assume he'll be back next weekend. makes me a little nervous about KJ, but even if KJ does play and we're running out KJ, Will Hoyt, and Alexander, you still need a guy back there just in case behind Terrence Garvin, just in case we have more than one injury. This is really in a dire a dire situation, and we are running the risk of a Tyler Higby big game. So anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, it's we we never want to have a Tyler Higby. That should never happen in the first place, but we especially don't want it to happen against the Seahawks. The Tyler Higby big game. I mean, given his uh off the field perception because it's it's not good. Uh so the the issue with with Dawson is sophomore year, he failed a drug test for Adderall, which he had a prescription for and he never failed another one. Uh uh-huh. I mean, the perception of him was always worse than it was. I mean, he grew up in a trouble area. But, uh, yeah, it, he's going to be on the active roster for the Rams game, which will be called by Kevin Burkhart and Charles Davis with Pam Oliver on the sideline. The referee crew is going to be headed by Ed Hockley. And, uh, yeah, we're going uh, to get a good game on Sunday, I think. I think it has the possibility to be a high-scoring game, like we said on the last show, like a feel with the, with the Rams game that, they happened, that happened last week against the Eagles. Uh, a feel like the game against the Texans that the Seahawks played. So I would expect for some points to be put on the board. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, again, this could really get in, get into shootout territory. Uh, the mitigating factor is if either side's pass, pass rush gets home. Unfortunately, I think the Rams have a better chance of that. That said, uh, have we looked at the weather? I'm going to look at the weather as you start signing off. Cause I think if it's clear out, and Russell Wilson is as accurate as possible. I'm not even that worried about the Rams pass rush, which feels like an insane thing to say after watching Ethan Postick have some serious issues with the Jags pass rush. But he was the only one. Like, Afedi, I mean, Afedi had his regular being a dummy issues, but uh, he was actually pretty good against a really good pass rush. And so, you know, 
if he can help, uh, whatever. Okay, so I'm gonna look up the weather. You you sign us off, and I'll give us a weather update. Mid- right. Yeah, I, I just always think that it's weird that Russell Wilson is kind of like the NFL's gremlin. Like if he gets touched <laughs> with water, it, like it, like it's not the same player or person. But guys, uh, spoiler spoiler alert for the movie Signs, but uh, that's the plot of the movie Signs. Oh my God, the weather report is 25 percent chance of rain. Dear God. 25% chance of Russell Wilson turning into a gremlin on Sunday. Oh, my God. Uh, we're going to need some Seattle nastiness. So we're going to need some Hopefully nastiness. Hopefully it's just Seattle drizzle. He's fine in the drizzle. He's bad in the showers. So hopefully it's just the drizzle. All right. And uh, so here's to hoping that it's just the drizzle. And here's the sign-off of the podcast. So we're going we're gonna to have you go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, leave your Twitter handle in it, and enter yourself to win a Pro Football Focus Edge membership. And then you can go on draft.com, you can draft a team super quick, you can draft a bunch of all-stars, and you can beat Spike in a league. I mean, it's pretty easy to do, apparently. He's, he's struggling a lot. So Just why... either do or do not pick Antonio Brown, depending on the week. Right, so that that proves to be the the winning factor in in a lot of weeks. So if you go up against Spike, you know Antonio Brown's the guy to go with. Uh, for Locked On Seahawks, I'm Grant Goldberg signing off, and I'm Spike Friedman also signing off.